I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The things that I have watched people fight over, I mean, forks and knives. All right, like, y'all... We billing $750 an hour for some forks and knives. You could go buy some more forks and knives. Totally. I mean, if they're not an heirloom from your great, great, great grandmother, what are we talking about? This has nothing to do with these kids. It's about hurting the other person. You're listening to Divorce Party with Monica Casey and Tom Arnold. We cannot wait to speak with our guest today. She is truly fabulous, a fashionista, a mother, a judge, and the host of We the People's Court and Paternity Court TV. Please welcome to the show, Your Honor, Judge Lauren Lake. Hello, Your Honor. Hello, how are you? Great. Good to see your face. It's so good to see yours. Hi there. How are you? What an honor. I am well. I'm loving the fashions today. Thank you. How y'all doing? Good. Good. I love that pony hair rug behind you too. <laughs> oh, thank you. So we're all part of the chump averse of Jeff Lewis. That's how we're all connected. Yes, we're all chumps. I'm, I was first honorary, but I think I've acted enough of a fool over the last five years. I think I've been inducted officially now. Yes. I think your one-liners, every show that you're on that are used for the opening of the show the following <laughs> week are my favorite. <laughs> well, I think your organization is my favorite on the new show. I'm like, I got to figure out how to fold my jeans like this. Yeah, it's, there's That's many folding perfect. techniques. Yeah, we don't, uh, I'm a single dad. My kids are 10 and eight. <laughs> and the the idea of folding stuff, that is a real art. Like I could wash it, I could dry it, I could do the uh, the dishwasher, I could do everything. But Rosa here knows how to fold stuff. Like I will try to fold stuff and put it, and then she when she gets here, she t- takes everything out. It's a real art. For, it, 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 I love it. It's, and it looks like it, it could be so therapeutic because, you know, I have my things like 
I'd rather, I think, fold it pretty and have it look like that than I'd like putting it in the washer and switching it to the dryer. <laughs> and I can't stand ironing. Oh, I mean, what's an iron? I have one just to have, but I feel like anytime I've ever tried to use it, it doesn't do what it's supposed to do. Mm -mm. I, I can't stand ironing. I can't. I feel like if you want something to look nice, you just have to take it to get professionally pressed. Totally. Totally. I'm with you. I do everything. Every, most fabrics I wear are just, they don't require ironing. And my son too. Mm -hmm. yeah. I got to know Jeff met a bunch of years ago before he had kids. You know, I've been a fan of Jeff's from uh, his uh, his show, remodeling shows, his personality, which is uh, uh, <laughs> unique. Yes. But that's fact, unique and infectious. Yeah, yes. But he certainly has good people on like you guys. You know, he has a great roster of people that keep coming in. And, and because of that, here we are today. Well, yeah. thank you, Judge. Thank it's you. Very all much. connected. Yes. Well, I have so many questions for you. Each guest, you know, is unique. And I think obviously you're our first judge that we've had on. We've had lawyers, we've had therapists, divorce coaches, life coaches. Well, to be clear, I'm a TV judge and well, I'm a lawyer. And a lawyer. Yes. yes. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I want to know, can you just start us off with your, how you got into law, what made you want to do it and how you yeah. got into TV? It's a funny story. Uh, I really never planned to be in television. I grew up as, um, you know, a young girl in Detroit and both of my parents were, uh, had their PhDs and they were professors. So my life was all about education and it was go to school. I started off saying that I was going to be a singer and be an anesthesiologist. I was supposed to go to medical school. And I'll tell you, when I got to my senior year at Michigan, we're in the Rose Bowl soon, go blue. When I got there, I realized we had this little thing where we went to the hospital and I was like, oh boy. And I was like, I love helping people. I really, I really all my life thought I wanted to do this. Instantly, I knew I was like, I don't think I could do this every day because I'm very emotionally, I'm like an empath. So I take it on and something about the hospital would just be, it was like, I don't know if I could do this every day. So I called my parents and I was like, listen, you guys, I really don't think I can do this every day. I don't think I want to be pre-med anymore. I think I want to join the theater program. And I was did a lot of musical theater. I said, I think I'm, I'm, I'm a singer. I, I'm going to do musical theater. And my mom was like, <laughs> we didn't pay all this money for you to go to school for you to come up with the grand idea that now you're going to do musical theater. And literally was like, think about it and call us back tomorrow with your real plan. I was like, ooh, <laughs> and, and hung up. And I was up all night like, Ugh. and so I just made it up. The next day, I just said, you know what? I'm thinking about law school. I said, you know, I'd love to tell a story. It's, it, it's you know, it's similar to a stage, right? Um, I said, I think I'm gonna do that. They were like, great, that works for us. And then it, that's how it went, just that simple. And really this went as an attempt to appease my parents. And that's how I went to law school. I went to law school. But fortunately, it kind of worked in the sense that when I did get to the trial advocacy part, um, it was a dream for me. I mean, talking to a, you know, talking to a jury, convincing people that my side of the story is the side they need to understand and advocating for someone who couldn't tell the story as well as I could, it just became a thing. I mean, it was, it was, it, it almost just felt like this, like you're running through the tunnel, like in the Super Bowl, you know, because it was just like, oh my God, I totally understand 
why this is such an important role is because this person could have an extremely valid story, extremely incredible uh, side to this saga, but they can't articulate it in a way that would make people or a judge believe their side. And that, and that led me to represent a lot of fathers. That led me to do a lot of family law. First, I did a lot of criminal defense works, so let's be clear, in Detroit. <clears throat> but it moved me into family law. I then got in this kind of, you know, niche of representing fathers. Because again, I could tell the unpopular side of the story. And I got that from being a defense attorney. Mm -hmm. And fathers were often given a bad rap in the legal system. And so I started advocating for dads and then the rest is history. Then the next thing you know, it turned to paternity court. And then now I do a YouTube series called Paternity Matters, where I've continued to kind of advocate and help people recognize and reconcile father-child relationships. That's how I did it. Yeah, well, number one, you have great parents. And I would have been <laughs> alarmed. If you just said, I changed everything, I'm going to be a singer. Even though I'm in the entertainment business, I'd be like, oh, no, no, you're not, you're not changing everything. That's you, just what they said. Natural. And it sure, it sure worked out for you. I, um, I think that men, you know, I was always told this before I had to participate in family court uh, over kid issues. Uh, well, you know, it, it's changed. It's more like they see, you know, when my dad went to court to get me and my brother and sister uh, they they were pretty open with it. Like that, we don't care how screwed up the mother is. It, in 1964, the mother's going to get the kids. You know, that's and, right. Uh, and you know, he he fought the good fight. And then in my case, luckily, the day after he quit the court stuff, because they were going to put me on the stand on his floor and say who I love the most, which is. But the day after he quit, my mother came to his office and said, "Here's the keys to the house. You can have the kids." Like it it it, it you know. So that I, I'm grateful to both of my parents for those actions. She knew that she couldn't handle it, and uh, and he and he wanted it. Um, I also think that in my case, uh, when when I, I said, "Well, I'm going to get, it. we're going to get a divorce. I'm going to get, you know, I got kids." They go, uh, they my lawyer said, "What do you want?" I said, "I want 50-50 custody of the kids," and he's like, "No, no, no, man. Maybe when they're seven and they're fun." And I said, "I." I no no I I don't know where I'll be when they're seven I'm old, but also I've changed every I want to raise my kids I've changed every right. diaper and I think that people are surprised when a dad says no I want to do this I want to do the minutia of day everything stuff this is what I my whole life has been about this moment so yes. uh, I'm grateful to hear people uh, like you that that have advocated that I also know even though I'm a storyteller I'm a comedian I'm an actor whatever. And I know how to tell stories. Telling my story in court, uh, you know, because first of all, you get you got it kind of got a lot of emotion, post traumatic yes. stress, like basically, and you got to you got to hopefully get the, the attorney says, "Don't you okay? I need to understand this in a linear way. What is going yes. on? What are the facts you have? What are your videos? What if you know?" And and it took a while because I think it's sometimes it's so traumatic, especially when there's legal abuse where someone keeps going to court or keeps calling the police over and over for stuff you kind of get and it takes yes. it took me a while to get to a place where i yeah, i could breathe and go okay this is how this is it's been bad for six seven years like this is not it's not okay it's not acceptable i've got to figure out a way to deal outside of this 
Uh, but it, it's been helpful when I've had uh, an attorney that said, you need to break this down. It needs to be very simple to understand. This is the deal. This is what we're responding to, right? You know, because uh, you, you get into a place and, and that's why you need a, an advocate like you that can tell the story. Curious, yeah, your thoughts about the family. We've just touched on it a little bit in some of our episodes um, about family courts and how, you know, do you think they're changing for the better? Or do you think they're still stuck in the past a little? What do you, how do you feel about I it? Think a little bit of both, right? I mean, I'm 54 years old. So like Tom, I have watched the system shift. Okay. I've been, even before I was an attorney, um, I remember years and years ago, my brother, um, and I think I was maybe in law school then. Yes. When he was one of the first dads I ever knew that strongly, you know, petitioned and wanted joint custody of, um, of, of my nephew. And I'm very grateful to my nephew's mother because, you know, she did not fight that. Right. So growing up, my nephew spent half the time with us and then half the time. And it really, for me, started this type of, you know, a co-parent cooperation before between them that helped me later in my life when I experienced divorce. So I think in many ways, the system in terms of father has moved the needle forward. And yet, and yet the presumption that the mother is the better parent, I hate to say it, it remains. Uh, fathers, are they still have a hill to climb when it comes to uh, in in many instances, convincing the court that this child should be with them half the time. And I do not think that's fair. Um, I think that one thing I love so much about doing paternity court, my first court show, was how much we were able to show, as Tom talked about, that there are, you know, people had seen paternity done one way on TV and it was very popular where it's, are you or are you not the father? Usually if they were not the father, you know, everybody started dancing and I'm not the father, woo, woo, you know, and then the girl would run off and oh no. And then on paternity court, we were able to do almost the opposite just as much or more, meaning sometimes the men were petitioning the court to say, I believe I'm the father of that child. And she's not giving me the truth. And I want it because if I am, I want to be my child's father and I want parental rights. Or I want to know if I'm the child's father because I never had a father in my life and I would never, ever do that to a child, what was done to me. And if perhaps this is my child, I'm going to fight to the death to figure out if it is. And then I want to be a part of your life. So in many ways, the mere fact that we see more and more men petitioning the court, more and more men stepping up in this ring and saying like, look, it's gonna be a battle, but I'm, I got my gloves on and I'm gonna fight for my kids, I think is most certainly a move in the right direction. But we still have to deal with a very archaic value system, which says that automatically the mother is the best place for the child. Now, let me say this, and I'm, I, was, I was a breastfeeding mother. Girl, you too. And so there is a time in a child's life, right, where the nourishment is very much dependent on the mother. And that is a, a bonding moment and something that is very important. However, what we know now is that that breast milk can be pumped. 
put into bottles. It can be frozen for a year. You know, dad could have plenty of it. Gold bars. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, it, there are, if there's a will, there is a way. And I think once we as a society begin to understand that a child bonding with their father is just as important as a child bonding with their mother, how many thousands upon thousands, probably hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people are in this world right now longing for a close, affectionate, loving relationship with their father. And a lot of those, those disconnections happen after divorce. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's absolutely true. I mean, I, uh, you know, uh, and I think it usually goes better now in, 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 in regular court, you know, we have things that we developed over the, the last 30 years, like drug court, which is a thing I'm involved with helping people at veterans drug court, where the judges show uh, so much humanity and law enforcement. And yeah. this guy, we've agreed this guy does this for a year. He works every day. He tests every day. We will expunge, you know, and, and the humanity I have seen from, you know, uh, j judges who are quite frankly, usually dicks or sheriffs. And, and, and they were all working together on this one thing for this guy or this woman and the humanity, you know, uh, it, it's incredible. It's a great, it's a new, fairly new thing in, in the United States. But I think, uh, and I think the family court is slower to, to go, I have certainly been in front of, and each time you get draw, drawn in or you get uh, served or, you know, uh, uh, you're nervous. I speak to myself like, oh, what if this is the time that they, that something comes up and they believe all this stuff and they take the kids away. It's very, it's nerving. You get in different, in front of different judges. Like if you get the same judge twice, they're like, come on, man. You know, this is, uh, but you know, you get it, you cross your fingers. I do think that, that, Generally, the judges think, what is the best thing? The best thing for the kids is not this conflict and not the hostility and not the, you know, and, and, and of course, that is the best thing. Well, is there ever a light at the tunnel for somebody kind of, you know, similar to Tom's or similar to like the Jeff Engage situation? Like, when does someone finally step in and say, like, we're not going to court anymore, or this is the judgment and this is it. I mean, is it just never ending? I mean, I know you kind of made a joke today, like, you know, those lawyers just bought a house in Cabo. <laughs> yeah, they're buying land, all this. And look, I am a lawyer, so I know. Yeah. Okay, there comes a time when you have to realize that the only people who are getting rich about in this, rich in, in, in financially, uh, rich spiritually, their family creating generational wealth, are the lawyers. We're billing for all of this because it is our job, right? We're doing a job. And while you all are still hashing out some things, I have a saying that I used to talk about on paternity court a lot where I'd say, you got to learn how to resolve issues in the living room and in the family room so you don't end up in the courtroom. You have to learn how to negotiate through relationships in difficult times or you will end up emotionally, spiritually, mentally, financially spent. And it happened so quickly. And I and I also said a joke a few weeks ago with Jeff, but I meant it. I said, listen, y'all about to get on my nerves. We about to come over to my house and we not leave until we figure out how we're going to work this out because we're just making our lives miserable. And, and look, I think 
uh, because Gage is a, 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 a and, and I know that he won't mind me saying this because we talk about this openly on the show, but because Gage is attached to Jeff and Jeff is deemed to be what we would set call a deep pocket, right? Deep pocket means- Or at the strip club, a whale. <laughs> yes, ample, ample means to continue to pay and to demand and ask for lawyer fees, um, you know, request the court for lawyer fees. You know, it, this can just keep going, keep going. And let me be clear, because the average dad, and I have to say this, because I, you know, sometimes I feel like when we speak about the celebrity divorce or when we th th think about these kind of things, we're talking about certain sagas that there are many men who don't have their kids, don't have the right to visit, have visitation with their kids or have established parental rights because they didn't have the money to hire lawyers, to do this all day and every day. They don't have the time to take off work, to go to all of these court appearances. So they just say, screw it. I, I just have to accept it, what it is. There are so many fathers that don't have the mental capacity, right? Where I'm gonna go so crazy that it's gonna drive me to do something that's I'm gonna end up in jail. So I'm going to let it go because that's not going to hurt anybody. I'll see my child when they're 18, when they come looking for me, because inevitably, and I tell mothers this all the time, don't be that mother. Mm -hmm. Don't be that co-parent because it, at some point, my grandmother used to say, when it don't come out in the wash, it's coming out in the dry. Meaning you may think you've got it all working to your benefit. There's going to be a point where that child's going to ask some questions and that child's going to ask some questions and that child's going to say, I want to find my father. I want to know where he is. I want to ask him questions. And when he hears his father's side of the story or when she hears the other co-parent side of the story, it might make sense where they say, hmm, that doesn't add up and turn around and look at that mother, turn around and look at that other co-parent and say, why didn't you do better to make sure this person was in my life? Why did you watch me not be able to go to father-daughter dances? Or why did I go to father-daughter dance with my uncle, with your brother, instead of my father? And you knew exactly where he was, but you still on some tripped out stuff that you can't change that's between adults and has nothing to do with me. So there's a lot of that where the saga of it all, it only affects the child. And Tom said, you know, the court's standard is the best interest of the child. And what we have to remember is parents in a feud is never in the best interest of a child. Children figure that out before they're one. They can feel the energy of the communications when they're infants. Right. You know, we have to stop thinking that even though children are resilient because they do find a way to survive it, that's in our nature. But just because they're resilient doesn't mean we need to put them through this when if the adults could get themselves together and get in one room and say, we're, this is a mess. Yeah. Like, let's solve this. So is child custody kind of like a, a privileged asset or thing to get? Like, is there some sort of pro bono or organization to help parents that don't have 
Yep. I always tell, look in your community, look in your, your, your community at father's rights organizations. They can usually point you in the direction of uh, free legal aid clinics. When I was in law school, I worked at the free legal aid clinic for, for my university um, in my senior year. And that's where I gained my perspective about how so many people, um, you know, are, are, are literally marginalized with respect to having legal remedies or they, they don't know how to empower themselves with the law. And another great point from this conversation I would add with is that, you know, sometimes people are so fearful of the law, right? And I talk about this on my new court show, We the People. They don't even want to resolve, try to resolve a family law issue because they're too scared that if they come to court, they're going to arrest them on some unpaid parking tickets. You know, people get wrapped up in these little legal, legal dramas where they're too fearful to even come to anybody's courtroom, right? Because they think, oh, Something else is going to happen or something I did 30 years ago is going to come back to bite me so I can't go fight for my kids. There is so much going on at once when we're dealing with child custody. Well, I feel it's always been when we both have good lawyers, it just works. They, they go, well, what can we get for this couple? They kind of work it out. OK, that's it. Now let's settle. Let's get them to settle. We're reasonable people. But I think if a person could just keep hiring different, that will take a case no matter what. It makes it a little hard and everything you said is uh true and you know you do hear that when you're in the middle like my kids have never seen the bob and i together so there's not like hey i miss the old days <laughs> but they have seen her do incredible things with the, have the police have swatters uh, the behavior in front of them uh, one thing and i always say this my dad when my mother would come over drunk she was a drug addict an alcoholic and and uh, she would come over just hammered and fall into the Christmas tree or whatever. And my dad would just laugh. And I thought he I think he thought I'm taking the high road here. I don't want to. And and uh, uh, I knew she wasn't a mother when I was four. Like she had, she'd say it. I want nothing to do with it. I'm not maternal. But uh, my sister, little sister, she, my our mother was her idol. This woman that would come in and be so funny and stuff. And and. Uh, my dad, she ended up moving in with my mom when she was 14 and ends up in prison, of course. Mm. Got married and in prison and just a long uh, story. So so what I do with my kids, if something happens that's so over the top, inappropriate or dangerous, I just take a moment and go, guys, what just happened was not okay. I don't treat people like that. I won't let people treat you like that. And then we move on. Because yes. people would say early on, oh, they'll know who the good parent was. They'd go, yeah, don't worry. Uh, when they're like seven or whatever. And I said, I don't, I can't trust in that. And that's, I'm not living my life that way. I'm one day at a time, I'm going to be the best parent I could be. And and even your story, Judge, okay, when the kid grows up, says, I want to find my dad, you know, and, and you go, oh, I bet the mom, it came, the bricks came down to the mom. She realized, oh, I've screwed up. But there are people, and I know this from my current experience, that are so narcissistic that there's no, there's nothing. It's really always about them. So you don't have that come to Jesus moment you hope for. And so, uh, you know, and, and my last thing is all the times I've been to court with this eight, nine times, I've never lost. <laughs> never, I, in fact, have built out more custody and, and more things, less contact. Every, all these judges are like, okay, here's how it's going to be. You don't have to talk. You see the kid, you pick them up at school, so you know, you know, and that's always been very 
uh, helpful to me. And, uh, uh, you know, it's always made. And the last thing, I don't know if do you believe in, there's PPCs out here, parental planning coordinator, they're retired judges. And uh, uh, I, big, I'm a big favor of these uh, uh, retired judges. We had a great one who, you know, my ex fired because she agreed with me on something, but they come in and they look at everything. They have the power to change custody. They have the power to do everything the court would do. Uh, and it's less expensive. It's expensive, but it, and they can condense the agreement and less contacted. I think that anything that helps people reach a resolution outside of court mm. is a great exercise. Um, and, and, and that's kind of even what we did on paternity court. It was really about non-binding mediation. Now, this wasn't binding, but having... I can't tell you how many times people, when they felt heard, when they felt like their issues had been illuminated in a way that they never thought they could, could then come to an agreement with another person. And we saved a lot of families um, the, 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 the whole time, the wasting of time going through the family court system by talking them through an issue and talking to them about how to now put this child's name on, put the father's name on the birth certificate, or now that, listen, as a dad, you're going to be responsible for child support. Now, right now, you're not under a court order, child support order. So get in there now and figure that out. Or if not, that's that's coming for you. Like, I think anything that requires people to get talking and get negotiating is so much better than, um, you know, a court situation. Because I always tell people, either you all are going to figure it out with the help of your attorneys or a mediator, or, or the judge is going to tell you what it's going to be and neither one of you all probably will be completely happy, right? Like some people have to understand, I don't know, there might be 0.1% of people who walk out of a divorce proceeding feeling like I got everything I think I want and I'm happy, everything I'm, that just doesn't happen. You are gonna give up something to get something. And the, the quicker you do that, the faster you get back to raising your kids and focusing on them. And I always say, you've got to love your child more than you hate your ex. A hundred, hundred percent. You, ha you just have to, there's no other way. Yeah. I think that too, what's interesting is with the non-binding, uh, the, the stuff that you've done where you said, here's the, here's the deal that's going on with you guys. Here's what should be done. Here's a, you know, to reasonable people will go, okay, I get that. Yeah. But what do you do when there's someone that's just incapable of agreeing that that the disagreeing part or the 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 uh, toxic element of the it's uh you know it's pathological like yeah you know what you do you keep spending all your money and you stay in court mm -hmm. you know you look at a situation like what we're talking about every day the saga with Jeff like you just keep going because it's obvious now to everyone, you know? I mean, I, I think people need to understand too sometimes like the lawyers understand what's going on here. I mean, we're gonna keep working because that's our job and that's what we must do. Right. But we've already now decided that, you know, party A is tripping, right? <laughs> you know, she or he, they are not trying to resolve anything. They're still trying to stay connected to the other person, yeah, yeah. whether it's through anger, frustration, or I'm just going to keep getting on your nerves for the rest of my life because I feel like you did something to me that I can't forgive you for. 
This has nothing to do with these kids. I mean, the things that I have watched people fight over, I mean, forks and knives. All right, like, y'all, we billing $750 an hour for some forks and knives. You could go buy some more forks and knives. Totally. I mean, they're not an heirloom from your great, great, great grandmother. What are we talking about? Yes. Tiffany makes some more knives. Go get them. But it's not about that. Yeah. It's about, it's a hanging on. Hurting to the that other person. It's about hurting the other person. It's about, I know they're ready to move on. And if I keep this going, if I keep this going, I find a way to stay in their lives. And you're right, that's pathological. That's something that a lawyer can't solve. That's something a person needs to get some therapy and figure that out because you're just running yourself on a treadmill. I mean, it's like, I tell people, I'm like, you just running back and then taking off full speed through a brick wall, trying to run through a brick wall. You're not getting anywhere with this, but you wanna keep doing it? What are lawyers gonna say? Oh, well, I'm not gonna do this anymore because yeah. why, why would I wanna make 250,000 more dollars? No, <laughs> they're gonna keep going in there and right. switching a couple- I'm words. going to dinner at Catch Steak tonight. I'm, See you there. <laughs> look, I'm going to breakfast at Catch Steak. Matter yeah. of fact, my kids' lunches are from Catch Steak. Okay, <laughs> baby? Because I'm making all the money, right? There's only of sometimes when lawyers are just disgusted now. And as Tom said, the pathological behavior or the narcissism prevents the lawyer for, from doing their best work. Then you gotta get ready. You gotta remove yourself from that client because what we know is, and this is one thing people don't understand. We watch the way our client treats the other person or the other process. And don't you think we're too stupid to know that the way that person turned on that person can be the same way that person will turn on us. And the next thing you know, we in court trying to argue for our lives that we did represent that person to the fullest extent that we could or that we did not do something or we you know, should not be in front of the, the bar uh, trying to argue that we did something wrong because we can tell when people are just pathological. And a lot of times that's when you see lawyers just go, nah, it's not even worth the money right. for me to continue to associate this person. And I always wonder when the opposing lawyer is going to quit. My ex is recent when he quit this last year, but he was. I saw him in court five times with judges just chew his ass out, say, this is garbage. Don't you ever bring this in front of me again. And I thought, well, that's it for. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 
like he'll like he he gets it. Let's move on. I know sometimes therapists fire their clients. Like you're not, you know, you're you're holding. You're not taking any of you know the things we've talked about and changing your behaviors. I mean, have you ever had to fire a client? Listen, I've never had to fire a, a family law client. Now, I did have to remove myself from a defense case. I had to petition for the judge to remove me because I just had somebody that it turned into when I was visiting him in jail, it turned into all of a sudden we went together. You know, it was oh, like no. he got kind of caught in his head and then yeah. the letters and the car. And I, it was just too much. I knew I wasn't going to be able to represent him because to be honest, I didn't even think I could sit sit next to him in court and let him even focus. So I had to petition it and the judge did let me off of that case. I've never had to do a family law case though, no. Can I ask you an honest question now? Is it harder as a beautiful woman to, to uh, do what you do, to do your profession? I mean, you just described a situation where, you know, the jailhouse, situation where somebody's inappropriate in there but it, have you noticed it, it it is harder throughout your career uh when you have a certain look or you know when you when you're beautiful oh that's so sweet well thank you so much for saying that i mean look I, I will say this to you. This is a lot of makeup. I don't wake up like this. I'm not Beyonce. All right. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and and also I was kind of the nerdy girl that was never the pretty girl growing up. And so I relied on my brain. I've always been the smart one. So it was like me and a friend or me and a family member. I wasn't the cute one. I was the friend. So, but I always tell people, always just let life play out because it worked for me because I have a lot of friends that lived off pretty and when that faded they ain't had no nothing else to live off of right and so for me I believe this intellectual currency has kind of taken me much further than this face of makeup ever could although we cannot underestimate the power of right um appeal uh um physical appeal whether it comes to courtrooms or, uh, and you know, we will as attorneys get the edge in whatever way that we can. And that does not mean that we're doing things inappropriate, but you also know, that, and, and it doesn't even men too, you know which judges you need to make sure you suited and, and you know what I mean? And looking right for, you know which judge that is and you don't play, you come in there looking appropriate and you make your client. I can't tell you how many of my clients I've dressed over. I mean, I used to carry ties in my trunk. Like, oh no, 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 no. We're not going in there like that. We're not going to get what we're going. What we're going out for with what you got on. What you mean? I, I'm telling you what I mean. You're going to go find yourself a suit or a suit coat and a tie because this judge does not play that. And I'm wearing my best suit in here for this judge. So yes, to be clear. There are circumstances where you know your appearance mm -hmm. matters. Yeah. Do you love the courtroom fashion? Did you love putting together like a power no. suit? And I mean, I have to ask a couple superficial questions. <laughs> no, no, no. So superficial. And it's so funny you said that, Monica, because you know, I'm always joking about my carpool collection. Now my courtroom collection, honey, was not to be played with, okay? And one <laughs> of my favorite, and it was so funny, I did a promo shoot for my old court show in this outfit because it reminded me my favorite was a red power suit with a leopard shell underneath. Honey, when I showed up in that with a, a, a black pump. Totally. Please no, please no. 
I'm coming to win. Okay. Please know that I'm not playing no game. What was the, did we have like a special briefcase or a special oh, yes. bag? Yes. Always a black Gucci briefcase. I'll bet. Yes. And it's so, you're so funny. You at, you're, you're saying this because I still have my briefcase. It's like a little a memento. thing, a momentum for me. Yeah. Cause I haven't been in the courtroom in many, many years. I've been doing TV now probably for the last 20, 20 something years, but I keep that black briefcase always as a reminder to me. And what about the power suit? Do we still have that? So, no, I can't get in it. No, I'm going to get that away because I'm, I, <laughs> look, I'm about 30 pounds away from that power suit. <laughs> that, that was pre, that was the pre-baby body. Pre -baby, okay? yes. I also yeah. own pre-baby things. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. We're, we're giving thick and, and fabulous right now. It's, it's curvy, okay? It's, I it, love uh, it. But I, I, I got another one and I used it for that photo shoot, but it was definitely the red power suit with the uh, leopard shell. Mm -hmm. Or a black power suit with a leopard shoe. Mm. And I did my pilot for paternity court in that with a leopard shoe. I was like, if I put these leopard shoes on, this show getting picked up. Yes. And it did. Oh my God. <laughs> I love that your shoes are like crystals in your bra. <laughs> yes. Yes. Who produced uh, a paternity court? Paternity Court was David Armour was the uh, creator and executive producer. And we were with uh, MGM Orion TV. Oh yeah, yeah, that's good. Okay, yep. that's good. Now, uh, uh, what I just want to say again: your parents did an amazing job, Thank amazing you. job focusing on the, the intellect and your personality. With is always who you were, and you got this extra thing, which is great. I do have to ask: sometimes you do hear of lawyers uh, falling in love with the, their uh, death row guys and helping them break out of prison or something. How does that make you feel when you hear a story like that? Those stories are always epic, right? <laughs> and, and look, and, and look, and I always laugh because I say that lawyer must have met their match, right? Because as lawyers, we have the power of persuasion. That's what makes you a great lawyer. We are simultaneously, we're not just persuading the jury or the judge, we're also have to persuade our client, right? To understand what it would take to resolve this. So when a lawyer gets in these crazy situations, it reminds you, number one, that while we are lawyers, still just human beings, right? Still just human beings. Many lawyers like me, I mean, we, we, we represent people through family law sagas and we still have been through divorce. We're still human beings first, far before, with our own issues, our own insecurities, our own shortcomings. And so when these crazy sagas happen, it really is kind of like an unveiling or right, you know, where you realize somewhere down in there, a little person was a little off, that little, that inner child was a little off if they felt that, right? And it doesn't mean that they're not smart people or intellectual, I should more say, maybe it's not smart, but intellectually capable, right? We have extremely intellectually capable murderers. They're not good people, but they're intellectually capable, you know? So, and, and, and let's be clear, they're in prisons. I always tell people, you know, we've created a society, this kind of myth of like everyone in prison is like, you know, borderline illiterate and, uh, you know, and downtrodden. No, it's some real, it's some straight A peoples sitting straight up behind those bars, okay? It's some very, and even if they're not straight A's, very intellectually capable yeah. sitting there. 
and so could maybe charm you. Yeah, very manipulative. Yeah, you know, they really, their whole, they're so good at what they do. And yeah. my sister, who is very smart, she had a huge business. She was the biggest drug dealer in America. Like she had a huge business, and uh, but she ended up going to prison twice because she had that, she had that thing. She's doing good now, but I, I think that also I always assumed that some women went. You know, men have been treated me like crap. Uh, they've cheated. They've done whatever. I know where this guy's going to be. He's on death row. <laughs> this seems like a good. I keep track of this guy. And oh my god. Well, hey, that's true. But they should also know. That it's a whole bunch of other girls that's answering the phone and answering letters too. Yes. People get their feelings hurt too dealing with guys sometimes in prison and vice versa because look, they got all day. <laughs> when, yeah. when they get their phone call, they got probably two, three, four, five people to call. Yeah. And it, you know, it, and then it becomes a way for them to just find something to do to tick the time away. So I don't think that we need to assume that fidelity is necessarily a part of the relationship just because you know where they are. Just because yeah, you know true. where they are, you don't yeah. know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And they have relationships in prison, but do we want to go there? Right. Okay, a lot of them have full-blown relationships in prison. Maybe prison's like Vegas. What happens in prison stays in prison. Exactly. <laughs> but I was going to touch on the parenting thing that Tom brought up. Um, I don't know if Tom's heard some of your episodes, but I do believe that I feel just from list as a listener that you have passed on amazing parenting to your son. Yes. And uh, one of the statements you made one day has really stuck with me where you were talking about parents who bribed their children to get good grades. And yes. I, I was bribed. It was like, okay, you get a $20 for every A or whatever. And again, it, I never really cared. It was about money, but whatever. But I love that you told your son, you should want to be excellent. Yeah. And yeah. I just, I think that's beautiful. I got that from my mother. I remember coming home. Somebody told me at school they were getting $25 for every A, 15 for a B. And honey, I quickly did the math on the way home. Like I could pretty much be rich. So somebody needs to get on this program in my house. And I never forget my mom was sitting at the kitchen table. I think she was grading papers. And I was like, so mom, you know, and I pled my case, right? And she just looked up so matter of fact, like, and she says, why would I pay you to do something you should want to do? You should want to be excellent. Why would I pay you to do that? And I mean, my mother was, I mean, listen, she wasn't a lawyer, but she was the queen of asking you a question where the answer was embedded in it. I mean, she was the queen of that. I learned how to ask all my good leading questions from my mother because she would ask you something and you spend the rest of the night, honey, going, well, ain't well, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I do want to be excellent. I don't know why somebody should pay me. And the next thing you know, that was a dead story in our house. And I have always, and I do that for CJ as well, because he has friends that get paid for their grades. And he says, no, my mother would never do that. And he, you know, he's a straight A student, a 4.2 student for, uh -huh. because he wants to be excellent. Right. And, and I think that that, and look, I do believe that there are good theories behind that, right? Mo everything requires a motivation. So I don't knock parents that choose to do it. It's just not how we do it in my house. And I love that. I feel like you have a great co-parenting relationship. I feel like you guys are at the football games and all of oh, that. Everywhere. 
we I do love- everything together. Because yeah. I do think when it comes to divorce, I think as well that's something we don't talk about a lot because we do hear about a lot of contentious stories. And let's be clear, those are often the most interesting stories, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but there are situations where people aren't married anymore, not because they don't love each other, not because they don't want the best for each other, and not even because they don't want to be married. It just becomes clear that they can't be the best versions of themselves or the version they need to be for themselves in that institution. Right. And I think when I, I talk about this on Jeff and I've, you know, I've been very you know, open about this because I don't talk a lot about you know, my divorce from my son's dad because I also am very clear about what I know he can read or because that's one thing we have to understand. You're not just really telling your business at a certain point, you're telling the child, right? The child, the child at some point can go. And so I'm very careful about what I talk about. But what what happened for us is, you know, we were 10 years apart. I was 10 years older than I am 10 years older than my son's dad. And when we were at a certain age, that 10 years felt like this. <laughs> and then when you get older, it begins to grow, right? And this is something you and it doesn't happen for everybody, but it did for us. Sure. Where you began to say like, wow, 30s to 20, 30s to late 20s feels like a smaller gap. Late 40s to late 30s, it starts feeling, because when you're in your late 40s, you're heading to that huge milestone of 50. You begin to think about your life How do I do this? How do I retire? I mean, you're in the entertainment business. We're just trying to figure out how do we keep working? How do we do this? Then you're with someone who's in their late 30s. They're still making all their 30-something-year-old mistakes, right? And then you're you're, you're going like this, and you have to say, you know what? We're not going like this because we hate each other. We're going like this because I don't want to be 39 again. I already did all my 39-year-old crap and messed up and started over. And when you're 39, that's what you need to be doing because that is what sets you up to be 49 going on 50. But I don't want to do that, right? And for the other person who may be younger, it's that constant feeling of like, I've got to rise to the occasion every day. Every day I must rise to the occasion to be a near senior citizen because that's who I'm married to. sometimes it's too much. And so you have to make that tough decision to say, you know, I didn't want to do this. I didn't want to do, but it's what's best. And because we were able to do it, and I'm not saying it was all roses. Divorce is hard no matter what, even when you love each other and don't hate each other. It it just sucks, right? Let's just be clear. But we made a promise to one another that no matter what, I don't care how mad you got on my nerves. I don't care if we cursed each other out for two hours the night before. The Mm -hmm. next morning, you're going to find a way to show up in front of this child Mm -hmm. with, you know, some type of love and appreciation for the other person. And it has just worked for us. And it becomes like riding a bike. I mean, I will still piss him off. He will still piss me off. And then when we get to the game or we're at CJ's game, you know, and you know, it'll be like, well, I'm not sitting with him. And then next thing you know, here I go, I sit my butt down next to him. Like, well, I want a Gatorade too. You know what I mean? Like, you, know, just, you know, you just start a conversation. Yeah. You want some popcorn from concession? Oh, 
You know, and it, it is that. And the oh. next thing you know, we're drinking Gatorades and eating popcorn and it's like, whatever. And then that way, when the game is over, CJ doesn't have to be looking at him going, well, do or I, who do I go? go to dinner with? You know, right. Do I want to go to eat with mommy or I got to go to eat with dad? No, we are going to eat. We are going to eat at the same place. And if any, we're dating anybody, y'all coming too. It, it, it's just love that. That made that happen. Yeah. But that has taken a lot of work a lot of, 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 of just, you know, humility, right? Like, like saying you, you, you as an, Lauren is not more important. The way I feel is not more important than the way our little family unit operates for the child. Now, when we ain't around our child, we do it. I mean, you do whatever you want to do. Yeah. Well, when that child is around, he just doesn't make those choices. And I will say, my son has said to me more than one time, he'll say, I'm so glad that I don't have to do like the other kids mm -hmm. and that I don't have to choose to go to this house or to this house or to that house, right? But that has come from, you know, even me growing up, my parents got a divorce in my life. And I remember the kind of that contentious period, you know, where everybody's trying to figure out their roles, right? And I remember always going to my dad's house in the morning on Christmas, and then there was the drive between my dad's house to back to my mom's for the party in the evening. So we'd just like do two parties. And I remember my brother would be driving and we'd go back and the whole ride from that house to my mother's, I'd cry yeah. because I didn't want to leave my dad, right? And also before that, we could do, my dad would always come over for Christmas, but then once my mom remarried, right, the partner wasn't really about all of that togetherness, right? So then there becomes a thing, well, what I used to do maybe when we were both single, I have to be respectful of uh, what the, and so then it, and I remember the change. And I remember in my mind saying to myself, if I ever got a divorce or if I have children, whatever, I was like, I'm gonna be upfront with people. Like, if you can't handle what we're doing here, I respect that, but I'm gonna be doing it yeah. for a long time. And I'm not gonna change it. And I don't, I mean, we don't, we do everything together. I, I mean, we have to that. take the dog to get trained in the morning. We're gonna all ride that two and a half hours <laughs> together to drop the dog off. I mean, because why not? Yeah. Well, I feel like my whole, you know, separation is similar to yours. We've spent every Christmas together, you know, every Thanksgiving. And it's funny, my daughter, she'll be on, you know, her iPad FaceTiming with friends. And one day I, you know, I love to eavesdrop. And this little boy that she plays with was like, oh, your parents are divorced. Oh, that sucks. Or that's a bummer. And she goes, no, it doesn't. It's awesome. And so anyway, what game do you want to play? Like she just like switched it back. I love it. Like, there's no conversation to be had. She's happy. She, I think most importantly, she knows she's loved. And I feel like, yeah, my situation, the way we treat each other is very similar. You have it. to try and look, it takes a lot of energy. I mean, I, I mean, let me be clear. This is not easy. Not easy. Not easy all the time. Right. But no. you, you commit yourself to it. Right. Because, you know, there are people who may want to date you who are low key uncomfortable with all this togetherness. Right. It, it's a, Oh, we got, okay, he, he gonna be there again. Yeah, he always gonna be there. He's, look at, like I say on my show, he is the father, okay? Like, right. he's gonna be there, right? Like, yeah. 
you know, yeah. so it can be a little weird, but we've had that too. I mean, we've had couples say to us and laugh, you know, we'll be out somewhere with the kids or at a, a school function and they'll go, well, if this is what divorce looks like, we need to get a divorce because because <laughs> we laugh, we party. We have, I mean, we just came from Yucca Valley. Um, he didn't come for the whole time, but, you know, he came up for like half a Christmas day after he did the other things he needed to do and stayed and, you know, and he had his own room and I had my, and we danced and did ugly sweater. Oh. And look, that it's about making those memories. Because one things I'm learning as a parent of a 13 year old, they're starting to get to that age where they don't want to be bothered with either one of us. Right. So just try to do the best you can with those few years you got, because mm -hmm. like now he doesn't need mom or daddy really. And we're already laughing like, well, what are we going to do when he doesn't want to be bothered with us or when he leaves for college? I was like, well, we still going to lunch and we still going because I'm like, you know what I mean? It's now it's kind of like we're best friends. You know, my son was like, so what are you and dad now? Like best friends? I'm like, kinda. you know, we're kind of like best friends. We just get along. We know each other. We know the worst parts of each other. Yeah, it up to the other person. Listen, if you have a kid with someone and they see it come out of you one way or another, you guys are bonded. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. it just is what it is. And, yeah. and I think that at the end of the day, divorce is so painful, right? I don't care what the circumstances. Some are more painful than others, of course. But divorce is so very painful. If you can find a strip of joy, if you can find a piece of reconciliation, if you can find a, just an ounce of forgiveness, right? With under, the understanding that I can forgive this because you are human and you are flawed. I might not forget it, right? I might not forget it, but I can find the ounce of that. And the reason why I can find it is because I too have done things that I wish maybe I had not done or performed in ways that I knew I could do better. And if I could just craft these moments, you know, these string, these little pieces together around the few times, right, that I have to be in a room with you, right? Let, let's be honest. I mean, I'm not, not, not living with my ex. I mean, some people are, but <laughs> there's just those, those moments, the school programs, the holidays for four hours, the trips. If I could string that together for that amount of time and be diplomatic, um, and, and I like what you were saying, Tom, at one point you were talking about kind of like, it, it, it doesn't it doesn't make me feel better for my child to think badly of their parents see I don't I don't like that either like that doesn't like if the kid finds out like some, some of their dad's shortcomings or like mom's short my shortcomings it doesn't it doesn't do any good for the other parent to just illuminate that like yeah I told you your mom was bossy I told you your mom was crazy because it doesn't work at the end of the day the child can just look at you like Look, you made me. You know, I always say, if you can go half on a baby, you need to be able to go half on a resolution. Yeah. People say, ask me, are you are you still friends with your first ex-wife, Roseanne? I go, listen, if we can be friends, we'd still be married. I yeah. I, I have no need. I had no kids with her. No need. And uh, and, and to, to relate to your story, Roseanne, the first ex-wife was seven years older. And so I thought, that, okay, I got to do something different. So, I married a woman from Michigan. That's where I'm from. Eastern Michigan. I know. Eastern Michigan. You know, she was 21. That's where my mother was a professor. 
Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Yeah, at Eastern Michigan University. But I was 35 and it became pretty clear what you were saying. This is a young woman who had not had her 20s. And I'm right. 35, I'm kind of starting to, and, and that, that, you know, that, that became a problem. I mean, she's doing great now and she's got, we both have kids, we both have families, but I can see where that is, that could be an issue. And if, if one person has had, you know, I'd had some success and I'd had this happen. So I just assumed that would be great for her and my dreams. Here's my dreams. And I assume you're all on board on this, but it is a real, it, it, you know, sometimes it doesn't, doesn't quite work out. Yes. And you don't know it till you're in it. Yeah. It makes me happy though, hearing about uh, uh, you and your, your ex and showing up for your kids and doing stuff. It is just much easier. It's much easier to show up somewhere and the kids are playing something and it's not weird. My ex-mother-in-law wanted to come over to see my daughter's thing that we built out back. And man, I was, you know, super kind to her, super kind to pretend, you know, with my ex too. Hi, would you like to see what we built over here? We built a, a shed in the back with my daughter's stuff. And, but I could do that. I could, I could do that. Cause it's, yeah. it's my kids. I, I not gonna, I can fake it, man. Fake it till you make it, man. It's a character. You're just playing a character until it becomes real. Well, you, yeah. you do. And I always tell people, cause I, people would say that to me all the time in, in court. I love my child, Your Honor. I'd do anything for my child. <laughs> oh, my favorite saying, cause I'd go, so you'll do anything for them. Would you just hold your tongue yeah. for two hours? so that they didn't have to take in the energy and the negativity. Could you forgive your ex for things that you know that hurt you deeply just enough to get you through the high school graduation? Look, you can pull off in your car after that and curse them out and talk about them like a dog to your girlfriend. <laughs> but just for those two hours, could you just, you know, if you're gonna do anything for your kid because at the end of the day the kids want that more than they want the latest iphone yes yeah. they'd rather have that and yeah. and let, and it's not possible for everybody yeah. but if it is possible for you then could you just at least try and it costs you nothing free free no, and it is possible because you do love your kids so much yeah you know, there's also little victories that you get along the way like my daughter when she would visit her mom, she would always make her play one of my movies in, my, in her mom's apartment. <laughs> it just got me so much because I just knew that she, the mom was like, you gotta be kidding. You know, we, she didn't even allow my movies in the house when we were together. And then, and, you know, but kids are, you know, it, it's, it's a wonderful thing. I, I think in my situation too, when you go back over, say, what was my part in this? What surely, you know, and somebody's been divorced as much as me. Uh, and I always say, you can get divorced three times and still kind of go, yeah, crazy women. But you get divorced four times, you go, oh my God, it's me. What yeah. is it? And you, <laughs> I get it. you go back to that thing because the judge will say, go back to when you loved each other. Go back to, and sometimes when you go back far and you realize, oh no, it's always been like this. And one thing I've always done is document, because I became a dad at 54, from the births, my kids' births, to all the way through all the stuff we do together, video, film, or pictures. And I'm grateful about that. Number one, I'm getting older and I forget stuff and, and the kids, but you can look and go, oh, there was never a time when there was this family uh, thing or Christmas together, or it just, it was never, even before it, it just, you know, so, 
everything new is our own experience. Yes. One question I want to ask before we wrap it up, and then I want to plug all the things. Um, So you have a a book. Yes, I wrote a book years ago called Girl, Let Me Tell You. Well, this was written, I wrote it years ago, probably 2007. I want to say 2000, yeah, 2007, maybe 2008. And it was at that time I was single. I had been on a show, um, a, a dating show, uh, way back before there was reality TV. That uh, a, a production company called September Films came over to New York and they wanted to chronicle the lives of real life Sex in the City style women, like women who were dating in New York. Oh, and cool. I, and literally, I had no no idea. But the when you went to the cocktail party, where it was an invite that if you go to the cocktail party, you, a man can't come unless they're accompanied by two women. My brother was visiting me in New York. I lived there then. He was like, it's going to be a lot of girls in there. And he was recently <laughs> divorced. So he was like, you're taking me in there, right? And I was like, okay, we'll go. So we're drinking and literally on a dare, he says to me, I dare you to go down and talk to those TV producers about what it's like to date the way you tell me your stories about dating. And of course, I mean, it doesn't matter how old you get. It's like my big brother and he dared me. I'm like, don't dare me, you know? And it, and there I go marching down the stairs and I'm in front of this camera now. And I begin to talk about, you know, what um, dating was like, um, you know, for me. Fast forward, I end up getting the show, one of eight women to get this show. And out of all these actresses and models, I, I didn't even know what it was. But I almost got kicked out of the show because I didn't have any dates. But lo and behold, uh, I mean, and tragically, the uh, September 11th happened. Mm. And they never got to come and reshoot any parts of the show. So they had to go with the show as is. And then in some crazy turn of events, I became a breakout character because I did not have dates. The women related more to me that I didn't have any to the girls who were like out sleeping with everybody and, you know, doing what they thought was going to be the interesting thing. More women were like that. I'm like, Lauren, I'm working. I'm doing this. People don't ask me out, you know? And so that became kind of the setup for television and how I got there. Did I forget the question? What'd you tell me? Oh, I was just, well, I was asking about the book, but also part of that's how I wrote the book. The yes. book became that, After right that. about dating sagas. I got to I got to read the book because I have an Monica knows I haven't had a date in six and a half years. Although I sort of had a date uh, last week in Buffalo, so I, it's hard when you have kids and you're always thinking of these things. Last thing I want to say to you too is we I don't like to re- root for Michigan. I'm an Iowa Hawkeye. You guys did horrible things to us this year in the Big Ten championship. That's okay, but you know love Cade. Cade McNamara used to be our quarterback at Michigan. That's right. And then he left. He was a big mentor to CJ. They both, he used to help out at Jordan Palmer's quarterbacks camp. And my son has one of his most proudest moments hanging out with Cade. So we still love Cade. Well, but go blue. I'm rooting for you guys at the Rose Bowl versus uh, Alabama. Alabama. I mean, anyway, it'll be, it'll be great. It'll be great fun. Go blue. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much. Such a fun combo. I had a great time chatting with you guys. It's so great. Well, how can people watch your show? 
So we, the people, check your local listings. It's syndicated. Um, and you can also see it on Justice Central TV. Paternity Court is still on the air all over the country as well. And I have a new show, Paternity Matters, which is a show that I created, uh, produced, and financed on my YouTube channel, which is Judge Lauren Lake TV, where I am still recognizing great fathers, helping people reconcile their relationships with their fathers, and helping people resolve issues of paternity, figuring out whether they are or are not the father. And you can follow me at all platforms at Judge Lauren Lake TV. Amazing. You're the absolute best. Thank you. Thank you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.